0: Particularly Baptist, the podcast of the Pastors of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Sacramento. I'm Robert Briggs and I'm here with my good brother, Steve Meister. Good to see you. Good to see you, Steve. And we have the joy again today of having our dear brother Conrad Mbele with us from Zambia. Conrad, you're very welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Really appreciate
0: it. We know, brother, that you have spent uh, for our souls over these last number of uh, weeks and... uh, our last number of days and we know you're tired but this is the last round for us and so we, we promise it will be a, a sweet time and um, maybe I get to really indulge myself a little bit in terms of just talking with you particularly we want to chat to you about some of your writing and your mm-hmm. books we're so thankful uh, for the way the Lord is using your material uh, as, a, as an African pastor in our lives and we bless God for that and so we're going to spend a little bit of time in this session just chatting about your books. And I get to kick off with the one I've been reading and uh, <laughs> want to chat a little bit about this. The the insights from the lives of Olive Doke and Paul Kasonga for Pioneer Mission and Church Planting Today. Uh, tell me a little bit, Conrad, about how this came uh, into existence, this particular book, and then we can dive in about the content of it for a little while. But uh, yeah. it's your PhD.
1: Yes, it's my PhD uh, thesis. Basically what happened was I was at a Langham International Partnership Council meeting and I was finishing off my PhD. So one of the directors was from New Zealand. And I, I said to him that what I'm working on includes the biography of a lady who got converted in New Zealand. So he says to me, wow, could you email it to me? I'd like to read it. So I, the same afternoon, emailed it to him. Uh, after dinner, he brought the director who's in charge of literature to me and he was saying to him, you know, the work that Conrad is doing for his PhD You need to read it. You know, there's this lady and he was waxing eloquent about it. So that director also said, well, let me read it. And so I forwarded it to him. Well, he read it in the evening. So the following day, he comes to me and says, Conrad, the day your PhD is approved, send your thesis to me. I need to publish it. That story needs to be known.
0: Amen, amen. And, I, and, I, wow. and having having had the blessing of God to have this book put into my hands by our own pastoral uh, assistant, Kyle Davis, uh, who you know and you're on his board for Bible mm-hmm. Translation Fellowship, it has been a, a, a real treasure for me. I wanted to try and get it read completely by the time you came for your for our missions conference, Conrad. Almost finished it, pretty much grasped the, the essence of it and uh, find it to be a gripping... Uh, read uh, biographically mm-hmm. but also a very important work uh, theologically and, and, and in terms of missiology mm-hmm. and I thought it would be good for just to maybe chat a little bit about that Conrad in terms of what I've gleaned from it and how particularly on the ground there uh, in Africa you've seen this kind of situation and how all of Doak and Polkasonga are indeed an excellent case study for us to see how the transition should go from pioneer mission uh, to the indigenous church uh, and uh, allowing the church to then press forward. Mm. Um, your basic thesis, if I'm right, and, and of course you'll correct me if I am, but uh, here is that there needs to be a, a mutual uh, respect uh, and a genuine admiration between uh, the pioneer mission uh, missionary and the, the indigenous leadership in the country so that there can be a genuinely healthy transition of responsibilities Mm. to the church that it might flourish and thrive and go on. Am I catching it right, Conrad? Yes,
1: yes. And what I do there is before I get to the case study, I show something of that with respect to the Lord Jesus Christ and the early apostles. And also the apostles with the next generation, the Tituses and Timothys and so on that, that you, you you can't miss that chemistry. Right. And then from there, that's when I transitioned to, to the case study.
0: Right. And so what, what had me reading this for our missions conference was just to have some background of the work that you had done, brother. And you brought this out very well in our pastoral workshop in one of your sessions. And uh, I would really encourage anyone who's listening to our podcast, I think this needs to be a must-read book for anyone considering missions. Uh, mm. from the West going out. But I think there's principles here for any uh, church planting context uh, where you're going to pass on the baton mm. to the the group that are going to take the church forward. Um, it was clear to me that what you were really driving at in the first part of the book, and then you, you know, we'll talk about dokin and Kasonga in a minute, but you, you really were laying out in many ways, Conrad, what the scriptures teach us regarding healthy spiritual relationships. Amen. And the reality of beginning those relationships spiritually, mm-hmm. healthily, trust. with a genuine trust um, and, and, and being clear where we're going mm-hmm. in regards to the work of missions. Um, and then you you bring in Olive Doak, this uh, English-born, New Zealand-converted, sent so- from South Africa into Zambia lady uh, who does incredible uh, missions work in uh, in. In Zambia itself, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about your, you know, your uh, your regard for her as a, a native Zambian yourself, yes. um, and, and what you discovered, and how it is that we know a fair bit about her life.
1: Yes, well, you know, I stumbled across her and the other missionaries that worked in our part of the world when I was doing my master's studies. Uh, but even then, what happened was that the Baptist cause in Zambia clocked 100 years in the year 2005 and when i noticed nobody was putting this history together i quickly just gave it myself gave it to myself as an assignment and as i was researching and so on out came these characters that i remember thinking to myself wow i mean this is literally William Carey in a female skin here in uh, in Zambia and, and and the more i researched the more this came through i mean some of the individuals she she met were you know uh, Gandhi for instance right. uh, who uh, she was evangelizing and singing christian hymns to and they maintained correspondence even long after she had come into into a part of the world and, you know, the queen of England honoring her uh, towards the end of her missions, uh, years and so forth. So it was just uh, rich. So it was out of that, that then I saw the need to uh, draw some principles, especially because of the, such a vast contrast with the indigenous leader, uh, Paul Kasonga, that sort of came through the ranks. And I mean, he he was single, he had leprosy, I mean, no fingers, no no toes, and very weak, sickly. But through that she still saw the the genuine godliness and giftedness mm. uh, that she was willing to take two steps backwards as he he rose through the ranks so that he provided leadership. And and so forth. So, all that um, contrasted to what I was seeing largely in Zambia and across Africa this constant fighting between pioneer missionaries and business leaders when roughly the time came to hand over. With the pioneer missionaries feeling it's too early, they're not yet quite there because they're not at the stage where their own leaders are in the country they're coming from. Mm-hmm. And then the African leaders feeling, "Why are you taking so long? I mean, we we're really the leaders. You're doing so much of the work. Could you hand over the keys?" And one particular case we had in in Zambia, there was an actual split where it took the president of the country and the vice president of the country to bring the missionaries and the indigenous leaders together to say, guys, settle your differences. So in the midst of that, this example was uh, like an oasis in the middle of a desert. Mm. And I thought we could learn something from this. And that's how my studies. Yeah, I think what
0: what struck me, a couple of things that struck me, especially Mm. very contemporary is here's a white woman from South Africa. Mm-hmm. And a black man from Africa, one is coming in with more knowledge and understanding. One is g- converted and his parts to grow. And the, and the whole ability that they have to work through all of that to bring biblical order uh, and, and establish the church uh, stands as a lesson to us. And I think you really emphasize it in your, your first part of your book where you talk about really the, the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm. That this is the work of the Holy Spirit in the transformation of character Mm. and the, the grace of humility, the grace of love. Uh, the, the 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 denying of self-glory uh, and the realisation that this is about the, the, the glory of Christ and, and the work of the gospel and the uh, you know number of accounts that you have of conversions, some of the adventures, like the, 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 the elephants coming running through uh, well, only 100 feet from their camp. I was like, I could imagine the terror of that. She finds a 12-foot python in her study and then she's the first woman who owns a bicycle in the copper belt. You know, wonderful little... Elements of reality about this woman's life, and then Paul Kasonga's life. And I, I, I almost wept when I read of the story of him. You know, his second bout of leprosy hits him so hard, his, his fingers start falling off, his toes start falling off. And yet, this man continues to reach the lost for Jesus Christ, um, and gives us no excuses for our little silly complaints that we can have as Christians in the West, because we're a bunch of softies, really. Um, yeah, I, I really thank you, brother, for this book. I'm, I'm so glad it came into my possession. Uh, it's certainly going to become a, a, a text that I'm going to utilize for, uh, for missions and teaching and missions in our seminary, Reform Baptist Seminary, but also just in our church to encourage people. Um, and yeah. I, I'm definitely uh, happy and kind of privileged, Conrad, to promote this book. Um, and you really have done a great service, I think, to the church, not yeah. just in Africa, but I think the church at large, to give us this case study that in many ways had fallen into obscurity and was forgotten, but has been brought to the fore for us to learn how we might engage in missions pioneer wise and transition into the uh, the indigenous people. Thank you brother for this. Amen. You wanna give us the title of the book, Rob? Yeah, it's a lengthy title. Uh, Insights from the Lives of Olive Doak and Paul Kasonga for Pioneer Mission and Church Planting Today. And I thoroughly recommend it. I I think it's a wonderful text. And uh, everybody considering missions should read this. Mm, Wonderful.
2: Maybe we could go uh, back earlier to, I believe your first book published is Foundations for the Flock. Yes. And so it's Foundations for the Flock. uh, by our brother, Conrad Mbewe, and it's published by Granted Ministries. Uh, interesting personal anecdote for me and your book is I was becoming a Reformed Baptist about the time this was published. So my first exposure to you was, hey, here's this brother in Africa who's published his book on the church. I thought that'd be great, so I ordered it and read through it um, right after it came out. Um, this was before I was even serving here at Emmanuel Baptist. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Maybe give us a little bit of the history of how did this book come about in your life
1: yeah if there ever was a surprise that i had was when i held that book in my hands because you know where it was coming from really it's um it's amazing Uh, what happened is uh, at cabota baptist church from about 1990 um i developed a um an annual seminar where I would teach on important doctrinal practical areas for the life of the church. So things like uh, church membership, uh, baptism, uh, Lord's Supper, church government, the role of women in the church, um, just all that's related to to church life. And some of the major doctrinal Mm. Uh, topics of you know the work of the Holy Spirit, and then as we were venturing into missions as well, you know, just so that we we can think properly about missions. So that was going on, and then round about uh, I think must have been like 2006, maybe 2007, Paul Washer came to Zambia. He initially came and preached at our conference, and then the following year. He came with a number of pastors so that they could see the work that's happening in Zambia, and during that conference we had Lance Queen preaching. But uh, Paul was simply enjoying something of the fellowship, and he saw these the messages that the the seminars were being photocopied into little booklets that were being sold for. Uh, maybe the equivalent of uh, 10 cents today. So uh, he saw a lot of them on the table, and one day he brought them to me and said, Conrad, could I uh, give this to a publisher in America uh, who perhaps would consider turning some of them into a book? Uh, I I agreed with a lot of unbelief in my heart. (laughs) (laughs) I I never thought anything would really come out of it because it was done for our people in our context. Why would someone in America think it was worth publishing? Well, before long, uh, the brother behind uh, Granted Ministries wrote to me and said, you know, he's pulled out a few of them and was wondering whether we could begin working together in terms of editing and so on. He did almost all the work, just sent them to me to uh, agree on a few things. And then, yeah, one day a hard copy was sent. (laughs) I held it in my hands and thought, "No way!" (laughs) But yeah, that's the background to this book. And so, in this book is a
2: manual, as it were, on the church, but it's written for church members to grasp. And and it's it really is a great model for pastors and teachers, I think, in uh, teaching. Simply but clearly and, and, and a, a, with a measure of comprehensiveness about uh, Baptist church polity and church life. And I think one of the things we enjoyed as an eldership here is the sections toward the end of your book have uh, on biblical inner church associations and missions has quite a bit of detail, actually. And that was helpful for us. you even have the missions policy that Water Baptist Church came up with, and we, we talked through that and read that as an eldership just mm-hmm. to as we're developing our own to, to look at other models and so it really is a helpful resource and it's still in print you can get it online. Yes. It's, a, it's a helpful book. Um, your newest book is published by C- Crossway and it's I think it's just out last week officially is that correct?: 6th October yeah so it's yeah. talking about yeah about yeah 12 days ago. God's Design for the Church, a Guide for African Pastors and Ministry Leaders, and again published by Crossway. What different aims
1: did you have for this book? Yeah, the way that book came to birth was that um, um, Nine Marks was thinking in terms of distributing as much as possible Nine Marks of a Healthy Church on the African continent, and they felt they needed the opinion of uh, an African leader. So that's how they contacted me about it. Mm. And my answer basically amounted to the fact that it's a very good book. I would recommend it to anybody, but it sort of flies like 30,000 feet above sea level. Whereas there are a number of issues we are wrestling with that need to actually be addressed. Mm. So they asked me to bring out some of those issues. And I I listed a number of them, sort of this principle, but these are the issues on the ground. And so out of that, they then said to me, okay, why don't you work out something of a sort of a table of contents uh, with a small paragraph under each, and let's see whether Crossway would be interested to publish it. I did that, gave it to them. And yes, uh, you know, Crosswell got back and said, we, we like the idea, uh, let's, let's go for it. Hmm. And so that's how it was born. It's, it's, and that's why the subtitle is really true. It was written so that the, the church in Africa can be challenged on a number of issues that are going off the rails, the biblical rails, and so the approach is in each chapter, I really sort of open up what the Bible teaches concerning that area. And then I say, in the light of this, we need to reform this. Mm.
2: I, th- I think I picked up some of that in one statement you made that stood out to me in the introduction. You said, I'm not trying to make the Bible more African. I'm trying to get the church in Africa to be more biblical.
1: What, wh- what's
2: behind that need to make
1: that comment there in your introduction? Well, it's it's because th- there's almost a, a movement of pride in uh, the the educational circles in Africa that you know we need to remove any sort of Western um, impressions on either theology or church practice and so on, and and we need an African expression. Of Christianity, and you know when you now look at what is supposed to be an African expression, it's basically syncretism. It's mm. it's you know for instance when it comes to worship, you're basically saying uh, let's let's just keep dancing and dancing and dancing, and um, you know clapping and clapping and clapping, and you know re- repeating one little phrase over and over again. And you say to yourself, but hang on. Uh, Is that biblical? We're not even talking about is it Western. Is that biblical? Uh, And so, um, even with respect to, for instance, ethics, it's it's almost trying to justify what biblically should not be justified. It ought to be reformed, Um, but you know, because we're Africans, because we're Africans, and um, I, I felt that the subtitle might mislead people. They might start thinking that I'm writing a book that's meant now to Africanize the church rather than the other way around, that turning the African church back to scripture. And hence the statement I make there. Mm.
2: So in in that way, it really, I think, is a useful book, not just for African ministry leaders, but for... um, American ones as well and elsewhere, because as we read how you're trying to work out scripture in your own context and dealing with your syncretism, uh, it's a model for us, and it's helpful to get outside our own context and think through how principles work out, because we can be unconscious with our own syncretism, obviously. The fish always doesn't think about being in water. Um, (laughs) And you've even mentioned that a little bit in one of the exhortations you've given um, and we've asked you to and you've graciously obliged that um, too often the American church has in generally speaking uh, not understood how much it's wedded the kingdom of Christ to the politics of our nation and uh, thinking through that thing so do you hope that the readership uh, of your book gets beyond even the African context and you think that's do you think I'm tracking that that's an, that's a helpful use for
1: for your book Yes yes well the two things first of all, I was very clear that simply trying to write a book for the, let's say, the Western world is, we use the expression in Zambia, amounting to taking copper to the copper belt. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) in other words, you're already spoiled with literature here. (laughs) Yes, that, um, you know, just trying to add an extra book is, is really overstretching matters. So in that sense, as a busy pastor, I just didn't think that's the best use of my time. However, um, w- uh, the, the approach that I've used, as we've rightly pointed out, is one that is useful in two ways. First of all, uh, the even the American church, including uh, the European church, is always thinking in terms of missions, in terms of uh, sending missionaries and also just short-term uh, church members to work in the African context, and um, and also the pastors uh, coming through to handle workshops and seminars and so forth. The goodness with them reading this book is it enables them to understand the issues that are being wrestled with on the mm-hmm. ground so that when they therefore come to teach, they they are able to apply relevantly. So that's one way in which people outside Africa can then read and and profit because there's so much of an interplay between the West and the African context. But secondly, I've deliberately used quite a number of um, African anecdotes that are meant to um, help even the people in the West to, to see what kind of issues make up just African life generally? Um, I've, I've talked about um, issues of African traditional religions. I've talked about uh, what we call Ubuntu, which is the the atmosphere of uh, human relationships are so important. Everything else tends to be secondary to that. I've talked about... Um, uh, some of the our favorite uh, games growing up that really made up our our childhood days and and that informs what we become as we grow up and so on i've i've brought all that into especially the earlier sections of the of each chapter as i then delve into a particular topic mm. um so that there is an appreciation also of just African life. Yeah, that's
2: what I would say. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you, brother, for serving us with these books. I really think they are a service and are going to be help for folks who read them. Do you have any other writing projects as you look down the
1: future now? <laughs> yes. Um, I've, I've done a, a few other books back home. Of these same seminar materials that I, I work through, in fact, as I speak right now back home, we're just waiting for funding to print a book on marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Mm. So the material was a seminar I did last year. It's already been edited. It's it's just waiting. Um, the, the printers have already given us the bill, and it should go out. But in terms of writing, I'm currently writing a book entitled, well, the working title is uh, Christian Grow Up. And it's really an exposition of the first 15 verses of Second Peter chapter 1. Mm-hmm. So uh, Joe Bickey's uh, Reformed Heritage Books have graciously agreed uh, to publish it. And I'm hoping that perhaps by June next year, um, I would have finished it, handed it over. And they obviously have a lot of work to do, so it might be another year before mm-hmm. it sees the light of day. So... Yeah, a few such books. It's a series I did in my own church. It's a series of sermons that's now being turned into a book. Great, great.
0: Wonderful, Conrad. Well, brother, thank you so much for doing another time with us, another session. I certainly can heartily recommend your writings. And anyone who's unfamiliar with your books should become familiar with your books. And we'll be prayerfully following the progress of the next few publications, Lord willing, that will come to us. This has been Particularly Baptist, the podcast of Emmanuel Baptist Church's pastors with Pastor Steve, my good brother and co-pastor, myself, and it's been a joy to have our brother Conrad. Thank you for listening. Absolutely. thanks.
1: Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen.